Generic Youth Media Brand Podcast. Episode 5, what's going on? Uh, this is your navigator once again, Dexter. And uh, this is an interesting one because I'm going to be an interviewing person who is not only a self-described journalist and self-described activist, um, but somebody who has definitely been in the game for quite some time. Um, Cindy Trin, who runs a very well-known activist Instagram account called Activist NYC. And Cindy also happens to be somebody that I went to school with, uh, which we get into a little bit in this episode. Um, And so in this one, you're going to hear a lot of conversation about, well, the difference between what she does and what I do, um, and also the ethics of taking photographs, ethics of taking pictures in communities that you don't belong to, the ethics of taking pictures at protests. Um, There's a whole lot that I'm not even going to try to describe before we get into it. But if you're interested at all in the ethics or the mentality of the person who took the pictures that you're seeing that are coming out of the protests uh, that are happening all over the place right now, there might be something in this one for you. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and get into it. I'll see you on the other side. I very presumptively just wrote down in your lower third, I wrote down activist NYC. Should I have written, like, what should I have written? Is that, is that the way to go? How do you introduce yourself to people actually? Yeah, no, that's fine that you put activist NYC. That's, that's perfect. Um, Yeah. I usually introduce myself as Cindy Trin, (laughs) Um, creator of activist NYC, if anything, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I, uh, that it's totally great that you put the handle on the bottom. I appreciate it. (laughs) Do people, I imagine this must happen. Do people walk up to you in the street and say, yo, you're activist NYC. Do people call you that to your face? Does that happen? It's only happened a few times. Um, Really? Yeah, it doesn't happen that often. Um, But it's happened a few times where people like who just know like who I am, they know like I'm Cindy Trin and they know my other work as well um, from my documentation of like Chinatown in New York they'll know also that I'm activist NYC. So I've had like, you know, just like people here and there be like, wait, or like the best feeling is when I'm meeting someone for the first time and they didn't know that I was activist NYC. And then when they find out that that's my account, they like freak out. They're like, wait, I've been following you for years. And I was like, oh, that's great. I love that feeling the best. That's wild. Yo, okay. So so let's get into this then. Um, Cindy and I actually know each other from college, which maybe, yes. we'll, maybe we'll get into maybe we'll get into in a bit, actually. We might get into that in a little bit. But we know each other from college and and I was walking out of the coffee shop and I saw you and I thought Nah, that doesn't make any sense. She lives in New York. Why would she be here? Mind you, I haven't seen you in over a decade, physically. I've not seen you in person in over a decade. And so I walk back in and just like, Cindy? And then we both jumped up. And everybody in the coffee shop was freaking out because why are these two people yelling in the middle of the coffee shop? Freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. Totally freaking out. So let's, let's maybe let people know a taste of some of the work. So we're going to take a look. So this is just the Instagram page. We're going to scroll through very quickly. We got the nice little, you know, the F the police up in the top here. So you, you, you already get an idea of what we're going, what, what's going to happen if you look at this page too much. But 
um, it's a lot of images of protests. I think this is one of the things that if people are familiar with their work, they see you, they see, well, they actually they don't, they don't often see you. Yours is unlike a lot of Instagram accounts in that there's, you know, nothing wrong with selfies and not a lot of selfies here. There's, it's images of protest and it's kind of, I don't want to say whatever's happening at the time, but I think a lot of this page captures some of the main, you know, threads of protest, specifically in the United States. You, you had an interesting start to your photography career. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, uh, I'll try to, I'll try to condense it, uh, to a shorter story, but, um, after, so after college, which is how we met and how we knew each other, um, I, you know, during that time, I always knew I loved photography and I, I was part of, I don't know if you remember Sea Monkey, that art group in at UCR. And, um, yes, wow, yeah. I all about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was doing like photography with that art group back then and, you know, had a lot of my teachers professors peers you know tell me i had an eye and that i had a talent for it but the thing is is that when you're 18 19 years old like you don't know what's going on in the world like you don't know what to do with your life i mean you're like i was a teenager still basically and um you know i had a obviously a Asian upbringing with a refugee mother who was not keen on me pursuing any kind of creative field, right? So I ended up going to law school after college. Mm. So that's when I moved out to New York was I moved out here 2008. So I was like working a few years after I graduated college and then came out to New York 2008 um to go to law school and law school as much as i hated it i still really hate my experience there um it was awful but Mm. what it did do for me was radicalize me um politically a lot because i was physically i was reading a lot of these you know cases from like our constitutional law and reading historic cases that shaped America, right? Shaped mm-hmm. the entire policy of this country. And, and, uh, and, and you realize like how racist obviously this country is and how it's built on the backbone of, you know, people of color and immigrants and marginalized folks. And so like it, it did radicalize me quite a bit. I had a professor, I had several professors in law school mm-hmm. that, really opened my eyes, but there was one who um, really I connected with the most and she was very, very uh, active, actually one of the lead organizers during the the Kent State protests uh, during the time of the Vietnam War. And yeah, she really touched me in so many ways. And so after that, I became like very heavily involved in activism and politics and I had graduated law school uh, right at the height of the recession, and I graduated 2011, which was when Occupy Wall Street was born. And so during that year, I was 
going to Occupy, I was representing defendants um, from the movement. So you graduate law school and you're out representing defendants for for what what were they what were they being accused of like vandalism or something like that yeah most most of the most of the charges that police always um charge protesters with is either obstruction you know mm -hmm. like traffic it's like okay. a it's basically a traffic violation it's just obstruction of traffic mm -hmm. um in more in like extreme cases trespassing like if okay. the if the activists or the protesters like climb on private property or something like mm -hmm. that, that could be considered trespassing. That's a little bit more of an extreme case. But most of the time, because most of the time that you see these protests, people are just in the streets and that's right. a public, that's a public space. Mm -hmm. So all the cops can actually do is arrest people for obstruction of traffic. If people are blocking like vehicular traffic. Right. right. But a lot of times, you know, police will will over exaggerate the charge or, um, you know, really stretch it out. Right. Stretch out like the like if this was a trespass or not, not mm -hmm. like that's the thing about law. It's always like it's not really black or white. A lot of times it can be gray. Right. right. Um, so, yeah. So I was representing people who were being um, charged, you know, arrested with trespass or with obstruction of traffic i was just witnessing a lot of of the violence and the civil rights abuses that were happening mm -hmm. you know police just tackling people for no reason just peacefully protesting just not even in the street like walking on the sidewalk but protesting which is 100% legal, 100% within the constitutional right, you know, mm -hmm. the freedom of speech and First Amendment rights. Um, and they would just be tackled, even myself. I was tackled by officers constantly, even with the neon green hat to like show that I was a legal observer. They didn't care. They would tackle all of us. So a legal observer, um, fill in the blanks for me, but a legal observer being basically there's a protest happening they're not chanting they're not yelling they're not holding signs they're basically there wearing you know clear clearly identified wearing a big you know sometimes a neon vest a neon hat or something mm -hmm. that says legal observer and yeah. what do they do what's what's your role there so my role back then was to basically um keep track of who was getting arrested because mm -hmm. you know during occupy police were arresting so many people um so we all had like notepads ca cameras as well we were we would also be tasked with taking like pictures or gathering evidence of the police violating people's civil rights mm. we would keep track of who was getting arrested and taken to what precinct so that the lawyers back at the national lawyers guild can then contact the defendants and represent them basically like the guild was uh you know it's a big nonprofit that represent that represented a lot of these defendants like i was basically observing for pol like police brutality and violations of people's civil rights um mm -hmm. so when i was doing this like i just saw so much violations like just i mean constant it was constant it was you know, women were going up to me telling me that officers had just groped them and grabbed them um, either in the chest or in their, you know, their private areas. And 
and you know people just being tackled and and hit and and just wrestled to the ground for no reason people were being carried like pigs like it was bloodied you know like it was it was it was one of the hardest times i've ever seen in new york and in in any kind of movement um it was some of the most violent you know like acts i've ever seen by the police mm-hmm. and by law enforcement um so during that time i just started feeling like i wanted to show what i was seeing at these protests and the media always likes to you know spin protesters and activists in a very negative light right like actually by showing a lot of the clash between police and protesters it actually is like instills like a very negative perception into the audience because when people see that they they see law enforcement as you know the 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 heroes right people see law enforcement as they are the law and so when there's images of people clashing with the quote unquote law you know the mind automatically goes to what was that guy doing to to be like you know what 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 kind of like bad behavior was he or she or they doing to be arrested it's like a it's like a natural instinct to always blame the activist or the protester as if they did something wrong and so mm-hmm. what i sought out to do was i wanted to show what i saw most of the time which was very, pretty much 99% of the time it's peaceful it's peaceful and people are just out in the streets exercising their first amendment right a lot of the media likes to focus on the rioting or the looting or like you know the the stuff that gets the headlines but yeah and that actually damages the reputation the image of the peaceful protester right mm-hmm. and so i started thinking about my love for photography again and just wanting to channel that creative energy into something because you know i was i was broke and depressed and i couldn't find a job as a lawyer either and i hated it i hated the industry i hated the you know i hated working for a firm it was awful it was just not the kind of life that i wanted for myself and so i started uh activist nyc during the ferguson uprising so after michael mm-hmm. brown was murdered um you know the whole country erupted right in in blm protests and and i had gone to i had gone to some blm protests in 2013 um after trayvon martin was murdered but um i didn't get into like the photography aspect of things until 2014 and so i that's when i created activist nyc and so i since then i've been documenting protests in new york and you know the first within the first year i had already gained you know some following and i gained the attention of some organizations and publications and you know they started sharing my work and and featuring me and i realized like this is what i was really meant to do with my life and you know i quit law so <laughs> i never really worked as a lawyer um anyway so i quit law and mm. i've been pursuing you know i've just pursued photography ever since and 
it was, I mean, it's been years, right? Years of a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of sleepless nights, and um, a lot of dedication to the craft that I had to learn on my own. I taught myself photography, I never went to school for it. So, um, you know, I had to learn yeah. this all on my own, and it took me years to kind of get where I'm at today, but I'm so much like I feel so much more meaningful in the work that I do. I feel like I'm actually having some kind of impact, which mm. has always been really important to me and what I never felt much as a lawyer. I've taken so many pictures of so many different issues, so many different causes. I mean, what you saw just like briefly earlier, like when you look through my page, is just yeah. sort of like the most recent stuff with the Free Palestine Movement. Um, but I've covered, you know, BLM and climate change, women's rights, labor rights, LGBTQIA rights, um, you know, every I, like every range of issue that you can think of, I've showed up for. And, you know, to me, that's just what solidarity is. And also, like the main goal of this project that I've been doing this, you know, with, with Activist NYC is... I wanted to highlight the diversity of people like in the mm -hmm. city and diversity of people who show up for the causes, diversity of the causes that we should be caring about. Um, so, so yeah, it's just, it's just a long, it's just been a long running ongoing project that I feel like I'll never stop doing until the day I die. <laughs> <laughs> yo, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, yo, let, let me, let, let me take us back a little bit. So yeah. I asked you to send me a couple of pictures. So I asked you to hit me with one of the one of the first pictures that got a lot of attention. So this is this is someone holding a, a car. It's real simple. It's a, a bit like a car, piece of cardboard. It's not even a prop, you know, quote unquote, proper sign. It's a piece of cardboard. And it says this is not about one man. This is about structural racism in a country built on black slavery and they're just holding a sign in a crowd of people tell me about this picture yeah yeah this was from um uh during the ferguson uprising uh, after michael brown was was murdered um this was a student walkout so it was a lot of young people a lot of young mm. folks and they walked out of their school and this was in union square uh, so this was 2014 uh, in Union Square, and and um, this photo was like the first photo of mine that kind of like went quote unquote viral on the mm. internet, and so it gains me a lot of followers initially, like that initial fault, like you know from from like ten followers to suddenly like thousands, mm. um, because it was just floating around the internet for a good several weeks. And um, so I kind of, whenever I look at this photo, I mean, it's just like, it's it's one of my very early, early photos from my photography career. And it's probably yeah. not like the best photo, like in terms of like technical, like, you know, ability or anything, but it it when it when I look at this photo, it just reminds me of my journey because mm. this is sort of like like the beginning of my my you know my my step into like doing activism photography um 
And this photo is just a reminder of, you know, where, you know, my start, like the sort of start that I came from. I think one of the hallmarks maybe of your work, and it's not like nobody else does this, but I get the impression you talk to people before you take their picture. Yeah, usually I, I try to get um, permission mm. as much as I possibly physically can for um, most of my photos. Um, I like to take a lot of individual portraits um, versus uh, I do take wide shots, too, but I mm. like to take a lot of individual portraits and the signs for sure. I I really like to to. Um, spot like signs that resonate with me too mm. right i think that's what the beauty of a sign is especially a protest sign is that sometimes you can convey so much in just several words i love the creativity in the signs um because you know if you're coming out to a protest like that's the one thing like that you want to have right in your hands is is you're gonna have a sign. A lot of people are gonna have a sign, mm -hmm. and so you like th that's another way that people can express themselves. It's just another form of artistic expression, right? My main goal, my main focus is just highlighting again the diversity of the people that come out, young, old. You know, different races, different religions, different ethnicities and cultures. And uh, the solidarity, I think, is what is most beautiful. Um, and and also why I like to take a lot of individual portraits is I like getting that emotion on people's faces. Even if they are wearing a mask or even if they're covered up, you can mm -hmm. still see it in people's eyes. And that's why I like more closer photos because I want to see people's eyes. And that it to me is really important in conveying like, okay, the emotion that, that people feel while they're at these protests, I think that mm. is really important to showcase because there is a lot of emotions at these protests. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of, you know, frustration um, and how they turn that anger and frustration into uh, the streets. That to me is really important to capture, mm -hmm. like really raw emotions, because that to me is what the media never shows, first of all. Mm -hmm. um, second, I think that's important to me as a photographer to showcase that to, you know, like, show people like okay these are humans you know with feelings and and we all care about something together we care about this issue and and people are coming together to care about this issue and i don't give i don't give a damn about instagram's algorithms either because i started Ooh. this i started this before like all the algorithms okay so i started this when it was just all like chronological you know mm -hmm. and um and so i would just like dump like a dozen photos like all at once and i still do that i still Let do the same thing i still just dump like like 20 30 photos all at once <laughs> and i'm just like you know screw the algorithms i'm just gonna do whatever i want because that's the thing about artistic expression too is like i'm tired of always having to tailor our content to a social media algorithm it's like i just want to like 
do the work that I want to do and share mm -hmm. it the way that I want to share it, you know? Okay. Allow me to counterpoint, not counterpoint, but allow yeah. me to speak from the other side because no, I love this. I love that you, you talk about the media because you are talking to right now, the media, right? Mm -hmm. At, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm no, I'm no longer employed by, uh, by a certain organization vice. Um, but, uh, you know, still, you know, I, it's hard to believe man, but you know, I've been working in the news business and it is a business. Um, I've been working in the news business since 2015 and, and I was, which is wild to think about. Um, cause it was just a year after, like when you, when you started taking, when you, you that first photo went, uh, that's right about when I started writing and that's when my stuff started taking off a little bit. Um, and, and then that's when I, you know, started working, but the, it's not a counterpoint, but maybe it is. It's you're talking about taking photos of people's signs, right? And the counterpoint to this would of course be that it's, it's slow and it's boring. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way. I just mean that there's no, in, in the pictures, there's not, I'm not seeing a clash. I don't like that word, but I'm not seeing a clash between police and protesters, like, just like you're talking about. And, and listen, I've been to the protests too. And what you're saying is totally accurate, which is to say that most of the time, most of the time, a protest looks like exactly what you're depicting. It's a bunch of people with signs sometimes chanting sometimes loud sometimes not sometimes cursing sometimes not that's about as you know that that the, the violence usually never enters the picture in most protests that i've been to and this is when i go for work when i go to for work it's usually because there might be an expectation of some violence and that usually doesn't happen and i'm totally okay with that uh, but most, even when it does, it's usually at the end. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this. Usually the end, it's some smaller groups. It's not most of the people who showed up there. Most, mostly, most people don't show up for that. Most people show up. Well, I think people show up for different reasons. And I think, but I think one reason that people show up is to feel like they're not completely out of their mind in feeling a certain way, to, at least for an hour to be around some other people who also yeah. thinks something is wrong, right? And, and t totally fine. Um, yours, your work compared to say a two minute news clip or even some of the longer things that I've done is uh, I don't know that I've seen a standoff really. I mean, this picture is, is somebody right here. I'm looking at somebody there, you know, Maybe she's yelling. Maybe she's just talking. Like there, there's no, there's no, there's no anger in really any of these. Not that kind of anger. You know, it's it's just we're seeing people existing in a space. We're seeing people holding up a sign, and whatever message it is they're trying to get across, they're trying to get that across. Which the difference between again a, a short news clip and, and this is you have to spend more time with it to get it you know what i mean and and i I, th I just think that's really interesting about the work is that it, it almost demands that you maybe the sign pulls you in but then you got to spend a little bit of time with it to feel like you fully understand what's happening
I find that yeah, interesting. and and that's I mean I, I I've done I've taken some pictures of the clashes. Um, I know we mm. don't like that word, but again, like I was saying, like that to me is not what you see most of the time. And so why mm. spend why spend ninety percent of your coverage on something that happens just one percent of the time? You see what I mean? Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that 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 doesn't make sense to me. So. So yeah, like what you were saying is like what I try to do with a lot of these photos is like usually the sign draws people in, mm -hmm. right? To just like click or to look at it. But I also spend a lot of time on my caption and like, yeah. you know, giving context to like what this is about, why people are showing up for this, like why people gathered, why people are protesting, why people marched. Um, and I think that to me is another form of like you said like people have to spend a little bit more time and so i don't think it's any less important just because you're not seeing a lot of of pictures of like like people getting beat up by the police i have some but not a lot i don't like to take pictures of that because i find it to be you know triggering and obviously the media is already showing that. So I want to show stuff that the media doesn't show, right? Yeah. And so yeah. Nah, I I, I respect that. I wanna I wanna jump to so you're not you don't only take pictures um at protests. You've been known to do you do some other stuff as well. We look at this the shout out LA thing. I think it's got a little bit of your work too. Oh, did you you found that? <laughs> yes, yes. I found it. <laughs> I have ac I have access to Google. You do. <laughs> yes, I have, I have been known to look 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 at things. This is a yeah. phenomenal photo, by the way. Oh, thanks. That was shot by my friend. <laughs> it is, was this not is great. Yeah, but... This is great. The fit is amazing. And this is a. I mean, this is a cool interview. This is another gives you a little bit more background on on Cindy here. But um, take me take me through some of these pictures here. Like, what what are we looking at right here? Yeah, so that first photo uh, with the fruit vendor is from Flushing, Queens. And I've been photographing Chinatown as well for a long time since I started photographing Chinatowns in 2015. And um, it was mostly, you know, because I am Asian American. I was born and raised in Orange County. My parents were Vietnamese refugees. And I come from a large Asian American community. So when I moved to New York, um, you know, the, the, the community that I sought after for that connection, that Asian American connection was Chinatown. And so I'm heavily involved in the Chinatown community here in New York. Um, I organize with them and I do a lot of photography for a lot of different Asian, uh, nonprofits and grassroots organizations. But, um, I have a series where I've documented Chinatowns from, New York, but also around the world. So this photo from Flushing is one of my favorite photos I've ever shot. Really? I just why, why is period. that? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Because I mean, technically, like, if you want to talk about the technical stuff, like I love the composition of this one, the framing and the like, the lines that the that is created in the photo. Um, that to that that is why I like this photo the most. That's just like the composition of it is mm -hmm. some of my favorite uh, compositions of lines. And uh, but like before this 
shot, I made contact, eye contact with the vendor in this photo. And he looked at me and he saw my camera and, you know, I waved to him to like ask for a photo and he was like, yeah. And so I took a shot of him where he was looking in the camera, but then, Uh... then he looked off. Then he like, right after that, he looked off and I snapped again. And I love that I love the like the candid moments more. Like for me, when I do street photography, it's those candid moments that I appreciate the most, that I love capturing the most because it's just like, that's like, like you know, for me, photography is just like that glimpse in time, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're literally just like capturing this moment in the past. And, and so that, that candidness of like, I love his, his just his, like the way that his body is positioned i love the casualness of it like one arm on the cardboard box and the other on his hip <laughs> and yeah. like it's just it's just like that like his his pose is so natural and so relaxed um and yeah and you can just see like it's it's he's chinese he's got there's got like Chinese poster with like the menu and the prices and like, you know, on the fruits, they have like the, the, you know, the prices with Chinese lettering and mm-hmm. language. So, you know, it's like some, like it's, he's a, definitely a Chinese fruit vendor. Um, and, and I just love the colors. I mean, I'm a color. I'm definitely love shooting color. I've been known for, my like the vibrancy and like the saturation of my colors um so for me the colors here just kind of really guide your eye through the photo as well um from like the neon pink sign to like the orange and yellow of the mangoes um and even like the colors of the cardboard boxes like the dole and you know Mm -hmm. and and then up to the color of his shirt even right um so yeah, again, color, you'll see color is a pretty big, big theme in a lot of my photography. Yeah, um, yeah. So this is this is something I think about sometimes too. Whether you're taking pictures or whether you're taking, you're at a protest, right? You talked about street photography and I, I like street stuff too. I started, you know, just for fun, taking pictures um, a while ago. I, I always struggle a little bit. There's the whole, is it exploitative, right? Now, I think I feel like everybody has their own rules. Like I wouldn't take pictures of somebody who's obviously going through some kind of distress. You know, I'm not going to take pictures of an unhoused person and just post it. I'm not going to do that. But how do you deal with that? Taking pictures of people specifically at protest, particularly in a time where there are people who are worried about being seen at a protest. This is something that I could talk about for hours. Um, Mm -hmm. This is something that I talk about a lot with my peers, with students that I've taught, and that is, you know, the ethics behind photography. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, is that if you're in a public street, you have no expectation of privacy. Sure. Yeah. That is that is a fact. And that is the law that if you have no expectation of privacy, then you cannot, you know, you, you can't legally stop someone from taking your picture. Mm-hmm. That's just a fact. That's just the objective fact. And 
that is something that I agree. I fully agree with. Like, as someone who documents the streets, who loves taking street photography, if if we were to stifle that, if we were to censor that, street photography would no longer exist. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is very, very scary and very dangerous, right? Because I think there's so much about street photography that has shaped our society. I mean, if you think about us as human beings, at least for the able-bodied people that can see, visual stimulation is is so powerful. It can mm. change people. It can change your perspectives. It can change your views, right? On the other hand, okay, now I'm going to go on the other side of things, right. is if you are going in and taking pictures of a community that, first of all, you do not belong to, second of all, you do not participate in that community in any way, you are just simply going in there to get your viral photo or your headline or your, you know, or whatever it is that you want, your next big, like, oh, I'm going to get a grant from this shit or whatever. Like, I'm really against that. And then there's a Mm. lot, a lot of photographers that go into communities that do, that they do not have any connection with, that they don't actually care for the community. They just go in there looking, seeking their poverty porn, right? And that's Mm -hmm. like the term that a lot of like photographers, photojournalists call it is like, and it's all kind of like was born out of like the white photographer, the white man photographer going into marginalized communities, going to Africa, going to Asia, go, mm-hmm. you know, going into homeless communities, taking pictures of these poverty porn of like people suffering, like you were saying earlier, like t- taking pictures of people like, like who are mentally ill or homeless or suffering or like mm-hmm. poor, like broke or whatever, or like, yeah, like starving you know, the picture, like the I, kind of stereotypical uh, poor African child, you know, taken, right. take, like shot by Steve McCurry. Um, and there's a lot of stories like that of a lot of people who didn't even want their photo taken or didn't even know what the yeah. context of it was for that suddenly was taking was like being photographed by Steve McCurry and like suddenly their face is on national geographic and they were like, Oh, we did not agree to this, you know? Um, So, so there's a lot of ethics behind photography that I am very, like I try my best to always be ethical in the work that I do. And, and part of that is like when I am at protests, right? I try, I do try to ask people for permission as much as I possibly can. So a lot of times, like that's why a lot of my photos are just kind of like this, this, this very like kind of straight shot of people holding a sign because a lot of times I, I ask permission and, and people who, don't want their photo taken. I respect. I'm like, no worries. And I move on. Um, so that's why when you mentioned earlier, how like when you're looking through my Instagram page and you're seeing like kind of like it's just people standing around with signs. Well, yeah. that's actually mainly because I'm one of the only photographers out there who asks for permission every time. I cannot tell you how many 
how many times I've had people tell me, you're the only photographer that actually asked me for permission. Thank you so much for that. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm one of the only photographers that asked for permission because a lot of times press photographers, they don't, right? They get up in your face, they're just snapping photos. Um, and so that that's something that I care about a lot and I try to do as much as I can. But I am also like, uh, you know, I also am just like a, a person. And <laughs> well, no, 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 no. And, I, li- I like you know, this. I like this. You're, you're, you're just you say that you're just a person. So you you compared it to like press photographers. So do you consider yourself a journalist? I do. I consider okay. myself a journalist, but uh, more of an activist than uh, I consider myself a citizen journalist. Okay. Um, but, you know, I also consider myself an activist because, mm. again, like what I am, my work is obviously has a very left leading bias. So yeah. um, that that to me is, you know, that's my activism right there. Uh, yeah. So sometimes, especially when marches are happening and when there's a lot of movement happening and like you, you just want to capture something that's like looks so great, so powerful, like this moment, you don't have time sometimes to ask, I'll still snap. I still snap that photo. Sometimes I'll ask afterwards. Um, and lately, you know, with the Free Palestine protests lately, I've had a number of people suddenly messaging me being like, oh, I changed my mind. Can you delete the photo now? And I, and I'll just like, I'll delete their photo. Yeah. Like, or like, or they didn't know I was like, they were being photographed and, and then they'll ask to have the photo deleted. And, you know, I, I get it. I understand. I understand that Mm. people are being doxxed. They're, they're being fired from their jobs. I understand that like people are scared to, to have their image out there. Um, but you know, this might sound controversial, but I, I think if you're going to be out at a protest and you know that there's going to be cameras out, you got to cover yourself then because it is not my job or other photographers jobs to know who's okay with having their photo taken and who isn't right. If you clearly don't want your face being shown, wear a mask, wear a scarf, cover up, you know, like, I think that's like the easiest way to protect your privacy then because, um, again, like, I think there is still a lot, there's so much importance, I think, in what, especially right now, in showing um, people out in the streets, because that's literally what, like, Palestinians are asking for at this moment, is just, like, to Mm -hmm. know that, like, people stand with them. So, so I think, I find it to be extremely important right now to have this documentation. But I also understand that people are scared for their livelihoods, but you, you've actually you've actually deleted stuff when people ask. Yes, I delete when they ask. Yeah, so, so I this, always delete if they ask. This this is really interesting because from and part of why I asked if you're a journalist and I think if you consider yourself a journalist because maybe not as everybody necessarily does um, consider themselves a journalist and I'm not really a big fan of people getting into arguments where oh that person's not really a journalist or or this is you know if you call yourself a journalist whatever it's cool fine because um, you know ultimately. The thing that the people, you know, listening to this should know is that neither of us went to J school. Neither of us went to journalism school. University of California, Riverside does not have to this day does not have a journalism school. We still don't have one. 
Yeah. Right? <laughs> we, whatever. Like, there isn't one. There's a newspaper. Um, there's a radio station. And, mm-hmm. you know, I worked at the radio station. Um, you know, I was playing rap music in Jungle. Like, I, was, I wasn't doing journalism you know what i mean i didn't think i was me doing this but ultimately it's frankly not that difficult of a job all you got to do i mean there's basically three steps is take a notebook ask somebody what happened write it down and then like don't lie about it like that it's pretty basic you know it's, yeah, it's actually yeah. the, the the fundamentals are very simple the the craft of it of course is difficult um but the fundamentals are very simple you know take a picture Point point the end with the circle on it. Point that end at the person you want to depict, and push the button, and then put that up. Some you know don't Photoshop it. Right, the craft is difficult. The fundamentals aren't that hard. Right, um, you know what I do talking to people. Not that hard. Just talk. Right, but um, I guess I I ask because journalists practice general practice would be don't ask permission and don't take anything down now i think things have changed some i think things have changed a little bit i think particularly during 2020 during the protests i think slowly the industry right and again because journalism you know this is an industry um it's a business has started to slowly at least ask itself the question do we also need to be concerned about protecting a person's identity if they if they seem to have a genuine concern about it does that need to be something that we're thinking about um and i think it's a good question everybody's got a camera in their pocket everybody's got a camera and a television station and a documentary factory you know in their pocket essentially these questions become more difficult and I'll see, you know, I'll see activists online saying, you know, no cameras, no cameras, period. And I find it really interesting because then the question becomes, and I don't have an answer for this because I'm not part of that group. The question becomes, okay, well, do you not want it depicted or would you rather make sure that you're doing all the depicting yourself, which is fair. You you don't want the danger of somebody else coming in and you don't know their motivation, you don't know their biases, you don't want them having control over the story, you want to control what you're saying. I fully understand that. I, so I went out and took, you know, the pro-Palatine protest, I went to one of those a little while ago, and I had people asking me to take their picture. <laughs> like, please take my picture. Yeah. That's great. That's which great. I, which I found really, I found it really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. what, what's, what's been yours? Do people, do people recognize you and ask you to take their picture? Yes, there's both. So, um, so the, so I just want to backtrack a little bit. Yeah. The, the reason why people start, especially uh, since 2020, the reason why people started getting scared about having their photo oh, on yeah, the internet is, yeah. is because we saw like some videos of like law enforcement just suddenly grabbing like activists, right? Mm-hmm. To arrest them. Those videos made people so scared. They made people so scared that the police were monitoring them. And if you think about it, we're being monitored all the damn time. Okay. If you exist on the internet, you are being monitored. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like there is, 
that that's what I find like to be so interesting is like people's like disconnect between like oh I want privacy but I also exist on the internet. Well, if you exist on the internet, like you have a modest amount of privacy actually. And even even with the police thing, I mean, we've certainly seen many examples of the police completely getting things wrong. You know, oh totally, yeah, totally get, getting the wrong person. You know, yep. trumping stuff up, and you know, hey. This person didn't do anything that we could really charge them for, but let's just make their life hell for a little yeah. bit. Yeah, because I've decided and, and I don't totally, like these guys. Yeah, yeah, that's totally a thing, right? Le and so legitimate fear, as long as as well as you know, somebody deciding, hey, I don't like somebody who's not law enforcement. It is by no means bound to any sort of code of conduct at all. Just saying, hey, I've seen this person. I think I know who they are. Let me go to their house. Yeah. I think I can figure out where this person lives. I think I can figure out where this person works. And you don't want to have that happen to you. This wasn't something that was going to happen to you in the 90s or the 80s or the early 2000s. It's yeah. very, very yeah. easy for it to happen now. Um, so these things, again, these things all make sense. People get worried about being doxxed. They do. And, and even in, in recently, you know, I've had a number of requests of people to, you know, take down photos that I shot of them. I, I always oblige. I usually delete it. Um, and I, and, and like you said earlier, like I technically don't have to, right. Mm -hmm. I technically don't have to delete it, but I do because, um, I want to respect people's wishes. Um, and I think right now with how controversial, especially, um, the free Palestine movement has all the controversy that's been surrounded by it. Um, People are scared, are scared of repercussions, and I get it. I get that they're scared of repercussions. But at, uh, on the other end, I've also had people be like, please take my photo. Like, I had a lot of, you know, just seeing that I'm also Asian American, I had a lot of other Asian Americans out at the protest lately being like, we need to show more Asian representation. You could totally take my photo, really? you know? Like, and that was something that I really appreciated. They were like, yeah, please take my photo. Like, you know, let, let's show like Asian representation in, in, at these protests. Um, that was the same during, um, during a lot of the uh, during 2021, I was covering the Stop Asian Hate protest, mm -hmm. and there was a lot of conversations around Black and Asian solidarity. And so, you know, a, a lot of oh yeah, you brought there you go, you took, brought yeah. it up. <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of people were also like very, very, very like you know willing and wanted me to take their photo as well, especially. Um, you know, any kind of solidarity photos mm. with black and Asians. I did a, I shot a lot of, you know, black and Asians together. They were like, Hey, take our photo together, you know, mm. showing like, Hey, like here's black and Asians um, standing together and yeah. organizing together and protesting together. So that was, yeah, there's been lots of moments of, you know, people who like, want me to take their photo who like you know are really open to it mm -hmm. um the people who are mostly like scared are they're not actually a lot of folks are not are not actually worried about police arresting them they're worried about their online reputation they're worried mm -hmm. about their own personal reputation um at least especially right now like right now with 
how you know the 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 just the the feelings around Palestine right now, right? I mean, yeah. Let, let me ask you that. Have, have you have because you you've taken pictures. I mean, everywhere. I mean, in, in protests going back to Ferguson, which at this point, you know, we're coming up on ten years. Ten years, yeah. Yeah. Um, have you? Do things feel different now to you? Oh my God, so different, so really? different. I can also talk about this for hours, because um, yeah, I've been doing this since 2011, essentially, mm. right? Uh, at least here true, in New York, yeah. and it's changed so drastically over the years. Mm. Um, so drastically, the number of people that show up to things. I mean, with BLM, it's you know, I'm not trying to. I don't want to compare. BLM with Free Palestine. I'm not trying to compare, but what I want to convey is this pattern that now I have now seen, where a movement will start, a movement will take off, and there'll be a lot of people that show up for a while, and then it always trickles down. That's the thing about movements; it comes in waves. It always comes in waves. It'll start really, really high. And then it will simmer down mm -hmm. and then it will come back up and then it will simmer down again. Right. So that now that I've been doing this for years, it's like you, I see those patterns. So BLM was the same 2014, 15, 16. I mean, people showed up. It was mm -hmm. it was protests every week in New York, you know, like different organizations all the time um, having demonstrations and then the conversation dissipates, it mm -hmm. fizzles. And then, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to a BLM protest for pretty much most of 2018, 2019. And then George Floyd was murdered yeah. in 2020. We saw like an eruption, an eruption of protests, an eruption of the BLM movement. Suddenly everyone, everyone now is talking about it. Everyone was posting about it. Everyone was putting signs up in their on their yards or whatever, you know? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I've documented Free Palestine protests since way before October 7th of this year. You know, I have a lot of photos that still get a ton of likes and still get, like, um, some activity. And they're photos yeah. from 2017 or 2021. And, like, that's the thing, like, this, what we're seeing right now is like the eruption, the eruption, mm -hmm. very similar to what we saw in 2020 when George Floyd was murdered and we saw the eruption for BLM. Now we're seeing the eruption for Palestine. And, and the, I, I, I get this, I, I'm seeing that pattern now and I see how these movements are working now. A lot of mm -hmm. times it's, it's, it starts with the, with us, with like a small, a, like you know like a little small burst and then it fizzles and then a catalyst happens that really brings out like tons and tons of people and right now that's what we're seeing with palestine so so it's it's changed so much has changed over the years too in terms of organizers you see a lot of people come and go and that's the other thing that I've seen a lot now since I've been doing this for years, more than a decade, is that you see tons of people who were like, 
oh, I'm, I'm such an activist and look at me and like, look at all this work I'm doing for like maybe a year and then suddenly they're gone. Like, I, well, I mean, I imagine, it, I imagine people get burned out, man. It's, it's you get burned out, you get yeah. burnt out. But like, that's the thing about this work though, too, is that you need, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And so, but like, I don't know if it's necessarily burnout versus like, for me, my opinion is that they only care about this one issue. And then once this one issue is done, they don't, they don't care about mm -hmm. anything else. That's my, that's what I see. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot, like, you know, I'm just going to call it out. A lot of white women who showed up like in droves for women's march and abortion, you know, the abortion protests, where are they? You know, where did they show up for BLM? Did they show up for Stop Asian Hate? Are they showing up for Palestine right now? No, I don't see any pink hats out there. Do you, you know, <laughs> like, I don't see any pink hats. Um, where are all those women who marched in the women's march? So that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of people, they just, mm -hmm. they, they, they only care about like whatever one issue that affects them. And then they don't ever really show up for anything else ever again. Like, and, and I saw that with stop Asian hate. So many of these Asian male or, or activist organizers who were, you know, putting together like organ organizing these protests mm -hmm. and these rallies for stop Asian hate, they are virtually gone. Now they have virtually disappeared and I haven't seen them at any protests or at anything in like, God, I can't like since, since 2021, like I haven't seen them at all. And I know the people who are in it for the long run and the people who like really want to learn, they learn about how to manage burnout. Like, I've been burnt out plenty of times. I burn out every year. I'm burnt out. Like, I I'm burnt out burn now, out. yo. I'm burnt out now. Like, I burn out all the damn time. But, like, you have to, like, that's the thing. If you're going to be, if you want to call yourself a true activist, you have to learn how to manage that. You have mm. to learn how to, like, like, commit to yourself to the marathon because, this, this is a fucking marathon. Sorry, I'm cursing. I don't know if I, I was I was trying to avoid That's okay. cursing. That's okay. Um, look, let's be real. Ne neither one of us look like the standard issue person that it, oh, yeah. is doing our stuff, right? The photographer is not supposed to be an Asian woman running out there. <laughs> you know, the the guy. Yo, I cannot tell. I cannot tell you how many times some reporter has come up and stuck a camera on my face. And started mm. trying to interview me because mm. they think yeah. I'm a protester. Yeah, yeah. And they get genuine. Yo, that. I have gotten. They can't see you as a journalist, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what are you doing here? It's th th mm -hmm. it fully doesn't make any sense to it. Like people yeah. just genuinely cannot comprehend that. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, sometimes I feel like that can be almost a good thing. Because I feel like some people talk to me in the way they won't talk to other people. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I don't, I don't know if you, you, I mean, you said you get that somewhat also when, you know, especially 2020, 2021, where you said that, you know, Asian Americans would come up to you and say, yes, please take our picture. Like, yes, please. Um, so I want, I mean, like I said, I know what my experience has been out there being, you know, a journalist trying to run around and talk to people and interview people and having them either 
totally not understand what I'm doing and I have to explain to them numerous times, no, 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 no. I am here to interview you. The cameras are here. <laughs> they work with me. I'm the person mm -hmm. who wants to interview you. Now, I'm not going to hold the tripod. I'm going to talk to you. And mm -hmm. yet, no, yet the cameras are going to be here. Me and you are going to be on the camera. Yes, me, also you. Um, you know, having to explain that. And so I know what it's like to be a black dude running around doing doing this sort of thing. Um, what You told me about some of this, but what what is your experience? Oh, man, you asked the best questions because every question I could talk about for hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, first of all, I'm always, I, especially in like the early years, I was the only Asian person at these protests a mm. lot of times. And and the only Asian photographer. Like, that is even more rare. So, mm. like, like especially during BLM, it was so early days of BLM, 2013 to 16, mm -hmm. barely, barely any Asians out in the streets. Um, it, it, I saw a handful, but not a lot. And, um, and being an Asian photographer, even more rare, right? Mm. Um, so virtually, I was the only one. I ever saw out there. I'm still kind of the only one. Um, but nowadays, it, there's definitely a lot more people that have showed up. And I'm mm. grateful and I'm glad. And I think like 2021, 20, you know, 2020, 2021 during the pandemic woke up a lot of Asian people and mm. they suddenly realized, oh, racism is a thing and it happens to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so like, so then a lot more Asian people have shown up, which I'm grateful for. And a lot of people who know me, they know me as like, okay, I am an activist photographer. And so when I'm out there, like the people who know me, like they know I'm activist NYC. They know that, that I take pictures of protests. But for a lot of other photographers out there, especially male photographers, I have been treated with such disrespect, with really? some of the worst treatment I've ever gotten from anybody is from other male photographers out there who literally physically push and shove me who like treat me like i'm nothing like i'm a little ant to be squashed because i'm an asian femme person and they don't treat me seriously like they don't ever think i'm like a like they don't treat me as a real photographer as a serious photographer they they just push me aside all the time. It, it's the most annoying thing that I've dealt with for so many years now, constantly being physically pushed by other male photographers to the point where like, you know, I had an altercation with one actually just a month ago, like literally Ooh. in October, I had an altercation with another male photographer who was pushing and shoving me and literally started bullying me and berating me right out in the street, just like, berating me as if like I'm a child and I like I lost it on him I just like went back off on him was just like how dare you treat me like this like I'm I'm a person like you can't push and shove me like this you can't talk to me this way like you know and I just like lost it on him and it, it just ha it happens so often mm. like it happens so often that now I'm just like it's just I just expect that if there's another photographer like near me, that they're going to treat me like shit and that they're gonna like push and shove me out of the way. And 
that that is so, like so they, so they can get their shot so they can get their so shot that they can get their shot or whatever right. and that just shows again like the challenges that we face as people who are not in stereotypical journalist roles mm-hmm. right like like me being a, a smaller asian femme person they don't people don't see me as a serious photographer as a press Mm -hmm. photographer or you as a black person you're not seen as a serious as a journalist like you're seen as one of the people showing up at to the protest as a protester but you're not seen as a journalist and it's like that's because we have like everyone has their own preconceived notions about us right Mm -hmm. as people of color as people who are not normally represented in these roles, in these jobs. There, we ought that then that's why it's so important for us to have this representation in media, because without our voices, you know, we're getting only the the view of white people, the white man or the white mm-hmm. woman. We're not getting any viewpoints from people of color, from people yeah. who are in this community. And it's like, just because actually you are the best person to report on BLM because you are a black person, right? And and I am the best person to photograph Asian communities because I am an Asian person. And like, that's why representation is important for us in in these media roles and, and, and in these jobs. And, but because the the you know the perception that most of the media most of journalists are white mm. you know we, we're not seen as journalists we're seen as as something else i don't yeah, know yeah we're, we're not seen as serious we're supposed to be there yeah i want to get to some questions so you might have seen that i i posted uh on instagram if anybody had any questions for you and i got mm-hmm. some actual pretty good ones I don't know if this is an awkward one, but I think it's a good one. Um, Beatmaster is asking, so we also had the question, do activists get paid or is it a side hustle? So obviously I know you can't speak for everybody. I certainly can't either. But you, you do other kinds of photography though. Yeah, yeah. So tell, tell me about that. Yeah, tell me about how this, this started for you. So I, I never get paid for Activist NYC. I, and, and even when I get offered to get paid, I refuse. I always refuse payment. Like, you know, you get a ton of like people who are always being like, oh, like sponsor or whatever, you know, like if you, if you post about their product or whatever on your account, then you'll get paid. Ah, no, I don't, Mm. I don't, I refuse payment for any of my work um, in activism, at at least tied to activist NYC. So I do not get paid for any of it. Mm. Um, what I do get paid for is my other work. And, you know, that's that's the, the hard part of being a freelance creative uh, who gives a, gives a damn about stuff is that is that I have to constantly work. I'm constantly working. We were talking about burnout earlier. I work yeah. so much. I work like as pretty much every day that I possibly can. Uh, this year, I haven't had many days off. I, I work mm-hmm. all the time because I'm working my jobs that pay me so that I can do the jobs that don't pay me. Right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, jobs that pay me, the jobs that pay me, um, it's a mix between, you know, stuff I don't care about and stuff I do care about. So, mm-hmm. like, through my activism work, 
through the community work I've done, I will now get hired by nonprofits or public institutions who want me to shoot for them. So I'm not ever making money directly from Activist NYC, but people who see my work and they find Activist NYC on Instagram or the internet somehow, they will then contact me to do photography for them. So a lot of the clients that I shoot for now, that's how they found me. But I never make money directly from Activist NYC. Um, if anything, it it's sort of like my portfolio, my resume in a way mm. to showcase to different potential clients like, okay, this is the work I care about. This is this is what where my politics are. This is where my yeah, principles. It's a good line. filter, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so a lot of people that hire me, like you know, they they and a lot of the work I get is all through word of mouth. And so many people that I know here in the city are activists and community organizers. Mm. So people who refer me are referring me to institutions that are you know left leaning that are are usually very creative art spaces like any kind of arts organizations I'll get referred to a lot mm -hmm. of times um and so so that's that's how I make my living my living is based off of you know shooting for clients events mostly I do a lot of events I do a lot of editorial assignments as well I've done you know editorial assignments for um different publications or organizations that have online magazines like I did one for Asian American Arts Alliance recently um so so a lot of the work that I get is because people know about my activism work but I never ever ever get paid directly for activist NYC and I I refuse payment from people if they want to even offer me payment mm -hmm. I never get paid for that I can tell that's a, that's a real you're real hard about that one. Yes. I I refuse all sponsorships. I refuse like people it's, who hold want... people try to people want to get sponsored on that page. Yeah. Really? Who? Yeah. Pepsi? <laughs> not Pepsi, not Pepsi. Um you, you know, got, it's like... you don't got to dox nobody, but that's what that just seems like a wild move. Right. Well, it's Ooh. it's actually some of so. For example, I'll give you an example. Like a chocolate company that a lot of these companies are are they they promote themselves as you know ethical. I see progressive companies. Um. So like a chocolate company wanted me to promote like their chocolate on my page or this vodka company that, you know, puts community into their, their title, like a, a community spirit vodka or something. Yeah. Promote them. And, and like, even if they are a company that is what they say they are, even yeah. if they are left leaning progressive, even if they slap a BLM, you know, sticker on top of their yeah. like profile, whatever, I, I still won't do any kind of, sponsorships or advertisements for any company even if it is like a very very like ethical company you know like yeah. i i won't do it because it this that's not what activist nyc is for and i'm not an influencer i am not an influencer i do not ever want to be called an influencer you know and that's what influencers do they get paid 
to advertise products on their social media. And I'm just like, I have never, ever, ever wanted to use activist NYC to advertise a product. That's that's not what this page is for, you know? And I'm, I'm also shocked because if you go to my page and you see it, it's clear that this is not that kind of account, you know? This is not that kind of account, but people still try. It's, you know, I just, I just politely decline. I'll just be like, oh, no, sorry, I'll do that. Bye. Okay. <laughs> you can, speaking of declining, you, you can decline to answer this one. Ballpark, ballpark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How much money would you say you've turned down? <laughs> um definitely thousands of dollars that's for really? sure maybe yeah yeah definitely that maybe tens of thousands of dollars because some of these some of these companies were offering me like a few grand like each one so like you know i've had maybe a dozen reach out to me so like if it was like a dozen of them offering me a few grand to promote their product that's like tens of thousands of dollars, at least definitely over 10 grand worth. You know, um, and I'm a, I'm a play, you know, capitalist act advocate mm -hmm. here. Um, you could have been cashed out I and know. maybe 90% of your, the people watching would have, would have understood. They would have yeah, said, okay, but that's fine. No, 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 just no, know. actually, no, actually, actually, um, I, I, I really, really think that I would be called a sellout mm. if I ever did that. I, I think people would, would be like, oh, activist NYC sold out. And and I, I wouldn't ever want that on on my name, on my reputation. I could never do it. I just, I just, uh, it's just not, it's just not why I started it, you know? Yeah. And I never even expected to get i don't even have that many followers to be honest like i have what like sixteen thousand seven hundred right now like i don't think it's that many like <laughs> like there's people with hundreds of thousands of followers right that are like influencers um and i don't care about following like that to me like the following is okay it's great that like people are seeing my work i i i care about the following in terms of like, okay, I want people to see the work that I'm doing, but mm. I, the following has never been the primary reason why I do this. Like, obviously, you know, I'm mm. not, I'm not posting in order to get more followers. I'm just posting what I care about. And that's something that I've, I, I, I recently read like another, like a, a statement from this other artist who talked about this, who talked about how, social media has made it so that artists aren't able to just like share what they want they just mm -hmm. share what the out what they think the algorithm wants and and i know and i'm just i i want to like go against that i don't know i just like i don't like that like artists have tailored their content to social media it's like just post whatever the, the whatever you want whatever the fuck you want you know like yeah. like i just that's that's my stance on it so so for me, yeah, like, yeah, I could have cashed out, but also like, I, 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 I would feel like a sellout. I myself would judge myself for being a sellout if I ever even thought about that. If I would ever you, thought yeah. about taking money from people. I mean, I think as an artist, you, which you, you're an artist, and you just you can't do that. And then also, you know, I think you run the real risk of censoring yourself at some point because maybe some mm -hmm. chocolate company is real down with the women's march 
and you start posting about trans stuff and they say, whoa, 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 no, whoa, 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 sign up no. for this. Or you start yeah. posting about, you know, you start posting, there's a Black Lives Matter rally and then you start posting stuff about Palestine. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, next thing you know, this ice cream company or whatever says, hey, you got to stop that. What are you doing? Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, the whatever, you know, the, the T-shirt company or whatever that was really excited for you doing I don't know, man. The women's rights stuff again says, "Whoa, yeah. we're doing Black Lives Matter." Nah, 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 nah. We don't. Yeah, man, stop. That's exactly. That's exactly another reason is that the moment you sign a contract with them, you sort of imprison yourself into what they want, mm-hmm. and I never want to imprison myself according to what they want. I never want to do that, especially when it comes to the activism work, when it comes to any, if they're going to pay me for like thousands of dollars to shoot an event for them or something or a campaign for them, that's mm-hmm. fine. I don't, I don't give, I don't give a fuck. Like, fine, whatever, do whatever you want, do whatever you want with the photos, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't care. That's that, that's separate though. That's separate. Like, right. that's like, okay, they are hiring me for a specific assignment that's separate versus the activism stuff that this is just my passion. This is like, this is just like something I started because I, I care about documenting history. That that's it. That's what it is. And, and so, yeah, like it's tough to think about all the money I could have (laughs) made, but also it's like, I could have, could have slept better certain nights, you know, (laughs) but, uh, but I didn't get into this to make money. I respect that. Yeah. Thank you. I want to I want to get to not nah, dude. that that's it's real, man. No, especially what yeah. you said about like, you know, this is what you do the other stuff so you could do this. I don't even need to talk about this, but like there's stuff I do that like nobody needs to pay me to do that. Like nobody needs to yeah. pay me to somebody calls asking for help, asking for guidance, saying, hey, I'm trying to do something in the industry you're in. Or I'm trying to do stuff in college. What what am I charge a middle schooler? Yeah, wanting to learn how like I've high school kid, college kid wants to talk to me about what they want to do in the future. Hours. Easy. No problem. Charge for that. No. Like, why? Why? That doesn't make any sense. Um, (laughs) But yeah. So let me let me get let me get to another couple of these because a couple I don't want to keep you too long because I know you got to work. Let me get to this one. This one's a tough one. Someone says. Protests in America feel performative. Can that be changed? That's mm. a, that's a, that's, I feel like that's a hard question to answer, but it's an interesting one because you and I are part of the, we enable the performance. Mm-hmm. If you dig what I'm saying, you know, you're out there mm-hmm. taking pictures of them. I, I do occasionally too taking pictures, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm out there with the video camera often talking to people. You know, in a way, everybody's performing for the camera because part of a protest, mm-hmm. a part of a march is to show, look how many of us there are. You know, one of mm-hmm. the big draws of the of the event, um, the Palestine March in on November 4th, was that there was a quarter of a million people there. You know, the numbers. Yeah. It's a performance. Yeah, do do with that as you like. What what do you think? Do these I love this question. Yeah. I love this question so much um because 
there are so many instances where I totally agree that it is a perform. It is a performance. A lot of people are coming out sometimes to these protests for purely performative reasons. That I I I, I understand the sentiment of this question because I also find it really icky for mm-hmm. anyone to be out there for purely performative reasons. Let me give you a couple examples. One, a lot of photographers who are out there are. They just want their next headline. They just want their next viral photo. That to mm-hmm. me is being out there for performative reasons um, in the sense of what this question is getting at. I think this yeah. is what the, the, what the person who asked this question is getting at is the, the whole act of being a, a, a speech, like doing a speech at a protest Mm. A lot of people that I know that I actually respected a lot in the beginning, I learned were just wanting to be in the spotlight and we're just using the movement to be in a spotlight and to do speeches in front of people. Mm-hmm. And that is obviously the wrong, wrong reason to be at a protest and obviously not a good way to try to be famous like if you're gonna really try to try to be famous at a protest or an activism space then you got the wrong idea you know like um so i get this i get where this like this person who asked this question it's a really great question because i too cannot stand a lot of people who are out there for purely performative reasons in terms of selfish performative yeah selfish performative reasons like like that's i think what this person is getting at is who is there for themselves who is there to promote themselves and who is there because they actually care about this cause and and that is the difference to me everyone that goes out to protest like you said it is performative because you are performing something for a world stage to see, right? You are coming together with a group of hundreds, thousands, millions of other people to perform almost on a stage, the stage being the street, right? Mm -hmm. The stage being like your street, your neighborhood, your community center, wherever it might be. You are performing something. You are performing the act of your freedom of expression, you are performing an act of protesting, of chanting, of, you know, holding signs, like all of that is sort of a performance, right? But what we have seen and what has been proven in the last two months is that this is important. This is so important. But these performances can incite change. Mm -hmm. As much as we think that like, I know it's it could get really it's very easy to get very nihilist about it because I also get into these modes of like what are we doing to change anything? This is like am, is being out at these protests even doing anything? You're marching then, around, just walking around in circles, holding right. signs with a bunch of people just who think like, screaming. What are yeah. you doing? What are you doing? But these these performances, as we want to call them, are so important because literally that's actually what Palestinians are just asking us to do. They're just asking us to like show that we give a damn about them, that we care about this issue. And 
if, okay, let me take another example. Let me take another example to, to get at this. So Jewish Voices for Peace, another amazing organization that has put on some iconic, iconic actions that we have seen incredible photos of, right? First, I went to the Grand Central one like a month ago, and they've, they've had um, several others like at the Empire, you know, the Statue of Liberty, mm -hmm. the uh, Manhattan Spe Bridge. Speaking of which, so there's a, there's a wild photo too. Oh yeah, yeah. That's it. That photo I want to get into. Sorry, let me okay. get into that in yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that photo. And, and the we'll, woman we'll in that photo is mm. is iconic as well. But um, so Jewish Voice for Peace, a lot of their um, actions are they're actually like really, really made for the photos. They mm. are made to to create viral photos that will be shared widely on social media right and so i had i i know someone who was like criticizing that who was saying like oh that feels like they're just like setting themselves up for a photo op like are they actually doing mm -hmm. it i'm like but that to me is important the those photo ops are actually very important because when those photos go viral when they're being shared across the country and across the world it just shows like that there are people, there are Jewish people, Jewish organizations speaking out against the apartheid, against the genocide of Palestinians. There are Jewish people that are fighting in this, in this struggle and this, in this fight. And like that to me is important because it's documenting our history. It's sharing what people are standing for. It's sharing that like, okay, we are in this group of, thousands of other millions of other people who all believe in the same thing, who all care about the same thing. That is important to me. Um, so I think, yes, pro protesting is a form of performance. And, and I think that performance is important. I, I don't want to negate that, that importance. I think it is very important for us to be seeing these images because again, like I said earlier, images, can change people. It can shift people's perspectives, their views. All the images that we're seeing out of Gaza right now. I mean, if the if they don't move you, then yeah. are you even human? You know, like these mm -hmm. images of kids being bombed and losing their limbs, and the photojournalists there who are doing this work. I mean, they're risking their lives to take these images. So, image you you see how powerful imagery can be. It is so powerful in our society, in, in a society with, with humans that we depend a lot of at least able-bodied humans that can see um, that we depend so much on visual stimulation to get us to, to, to get us to feel something for mm -hmm. to garner emotional reaction in people. And that's why photography is so powerful because it can bring out those emotions. And so when the person who asked this question say it's performative, how can we change that? I don't necessarily want to change the performative aspect of it. But what I want to say is that purely doing performative things is not enough. And that is why I also constantly call my senators, my Congress people. I'm constantly writing, like, you know, signing pop petitions, signing letters, like, doing all the other work as well mm. so that like the work that you don't see in pictures 
that kind of work is the non-performative work, right? right? The work that we don't necessarily see on social media, but we just keep doing because we need to, because this is how we put the pressure on to, to on our political leaders to to change, right? So you're doing the 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 protest work. The protest work is very important. But I also agree it's not the only thing that we need to do to actually make change in this world. We need to do all the other things. Having the conversations with family and friends, mm -hmm. that is another form of work that isn't performative, that isn't put on social media. These are just private conversations. You know how many private conversations I have with my mom about BLM? Hours and hours of conversations with my mom about BLM to, to explain to her, you know, why this was this, like why I stood with the black community and why I stood with Black Lives Matter and, and the racism that she was fed as a person of her generation that came to this country. She was fed that model minority myth. You know, mm -hmm. fed that like that that stereotype that like Asians are are wealthier and smarter than black people. Right. And she was fed all that that bullshit. And so, you know, for me, like I had to help her unlearn all of that for years. She still she still has her biases. She's still like an old school, traditional, somewhat conservative, racist, Asian woman you know but like she's gotten a lot better because of my conversations with her over the years and th this is i'm talking hours days right. weeks of conversations not and that is the photo. work yeah. exactly and that's the work that is not performative that mm -hmm. we still have to do alongside the performance right the performance of protesting that is important as mm -hmm. much as these private conversations that we have with our family members, our friends, our community, that is also important. All of it, all of it contributes to the greater movement, to the greater, to, to us just moving forward to continually, like, you know, to continually inspire change, even if it is so damn slow, change is so damn slow. So like, you know, we have to keep doing it. It's a marathon. Like I said earlier, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You have to continually keep doing this work and it is tiring and it is exhausting. Um, and, and, and you have to learn how to balance all of it, all of it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so hard. I'm still learning. <laughs> I mean, I think also like with the performance stuff, I mean, think of what, think of 2020 when cops started kneeling. That was 100% oh, a performance and it's all imagery, house members kneeling, right? It was all, yeah. it's all a performance. And the idea was, let me do something quick that will convey a message to sh convey some sort of message, right? That also speaks to intention. So when mm. we're talking about performative, what's in performative, what is your intention behind the performance? Because is your intention to get likes? Is your intention to to increase your PR, to make you look better, to, mm -hmm. to make your reputation. Again, like what I was saying, is your intention for yourself or is it for the people? Is it for the community that you're there for? Is it for you or mm -hmm. is it for them? Is it for everyone? And I think that that's the, the, the question we have to ask ourselves behind what is performative and what's not, and what's, what's, you know, just, this this is this is i think a lot of 
a lot of what we do are performances. But I think when we talk about what's performative, we're talking about the intention behind the performance, mm -hmm. right? And so what is your intention? The intention of those house members who were kneeling. I mean, their intention is to just get good PR. That that's when we look at that, we can tell right away. Okay, this is this is some PR bullshit, right? Um, but then, what is the intention of Jewish Voices for Peace? You know, being out at Grand Central, Manhattan Bridge, Statue of Liberty, all these locations that they've that they've uh, the that they've posted photos of. Their intentions are to show Jewish people do not stand with. Israel. Not all Jewish people stand with Israel. Not all Jewish people agree with this genocide. Not all Jewish people agree with the apartheid government. Not all Jewish people agree with killing babies. Like, like, see, so that's that the intention to me is a huge difference. Are you intending to do something for yourself? Or are you intending to, to convey a message that I think is important for us to convey? And I think what Jewish Voice for Peace is doing is, is that. They are performing. They are putting on performance. And in fact, that Grand Central action, I mean, just so widely circulated on the media, right? Everyone, everyone was writing about it, posting pictures from it. They planned. They had already planned to get arrested. They're, when the, when yeah. Jewish Voice for Peace, when they organize actions, they have a set plan. They know exactly what they're getting into. They know that they're going to get arrested. And that act of having 300 plus people arrested, that is a performance. That is a mm -hmm. straight up performance. But they're, they're putting their bodies on the line to convey a message. And I think that, that to me, is, is, a, is, is a, something what I would call, I guess, a good performance. I don't know. Like, <laughs> what would you call that? Like, like I, I, it's well, something I think, it, I think more it's like, all personal. I think it's, you know, yeah. it's, it kind of comes down to each person and what you're trying to do. And look, some people are going to say, hey, that was that, that makes sense. And some won't. I want to I want to get to one. I want to get to this photo. Yeah. One more question, if we can. So let's I yeah. know you you wanted to oh, talk yeah, the, about this. The, 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 old, the 90 year old Bubby. Yes. OK, yes. so um she she was a she passed away um but she was very very active in jewish voices for peace this mm. photo is from 2021 so it's not even from this year this is from okay. uh, a couple years ago and and um this is one of the, like like one of my photos that have gone pretty viral um it still gets a ton of likes and a lot of activity um even right now it's still yeah. getting a lot of activity um and she was just an iconic person like she they call her the you know they call her bubby because she's just like the jewish bubby because she's just like a, an iconic like jewish grandma figure mm -hmm. and she was always at the free palestine protest every single one that i went to she was there um you know she's not she's 90 at this at uh during 20 in 2021 she was 90 i mean you know she's still out protesting like and that just shows like you 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 know there is no age limit to protest like you can be five years old and you could be 90 years old and you could be at a protest and that was something that i like you know the reason why i created activist nyc in the first place again showcase the different kind of people that come out mm -hmm. to the protest you know and 
and, and show, okay, we're not all like a lot of the stereotype of uh, protesters or activists is that uh, we don't have jobs or that we're like hippies or something, right. you know, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. actually, there's a lot of different people here who have plenty of jobs um, and they show up because they care about this issue. It doesn't, it's not because there's some like hippie with no job, right? Mm -hmm. But here's a 90 year old woman who came out with this sign, you know, saying Zionism is genocide. And she is just like, I think she just had a really wonderful energy to her, her mm -hmm. Her aura was just so like just just so warm and comforting. Like I got to talk to her for a bit um, after I took this photo, and she was just like, "I'm so happy to see an Asian person here at this really? protest." Again, there's not a lot of Asian people that were coming out to Free Palestine protest before this year. You know, mm. before this year, and it's funny because I'm a I'm of Vietnamese descent, and you know, like. Someone just someone just uh, wrote in the comment about Kissinger and like, yeah, it is a damn shame that Kissinger lasted longer than her because you know he he bombed my people, he he killed three million of my people, right? And so like for for me like I I just like the, the genocide that happened against Vietnamese people during the Vietnam War, like I feel for Palestinians so much right now, even if I didn't live through it. Even though I wasn't alive during that time, I can empathize with the fact that like they're colonized people just because my people were also colonized and we were also murdered and massacred and, you know, and killed by bombs and Agent Orange. And so so like when I was talking to, to her, I was telling her, yeah, like I feel the plight of Palestinians because I'm Vietnamese and and um and, and you know my mom was a refugee from the war mm. she 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 had to escape vietnam um and she, you know the she was just like she was just like i'm so sorry and like like i feel for you and just know that like i i'm not i i don't you know she was just like i don't condone any of this this is not okay and i was like thank you for you know being here and thank you for talking to me too and it was just like she was just a very warm-hearted person um but yeah she passed away uh wow. i think like a year or something ago and and everyone still talks about her she's she's iconic iconic figure in new york in the jewish new york community <laughs> wow great woman yeah Wow, I did not know there was that story behind this cuz you you never know right you see a little you see a snapshot and yeah. you don't know what kind of conversation did or didn't take place. Yeah, that's, that's why that's, that's why it's like, you know, that's why like I I really like talking about my pictures cuz there's sto there's so many stories behind a lot of them. Like mm. a lot of the pictures I take, there's always some story behind it. And and yeah, she was just she was just like I I I just I just felt so touched when she was like you're one of the only Asian people I've seen at these protests and thank you for showing up. And like, that was, that was, that was like, to me, that meant so much to me. It just meant mm -hmm. a lot. And, and I, that's why I want to get more Asian people active because, you know, and now finally they are now finally Asian people are becoming more active. Um, and do, I've do seen you think a you've lot had a part of that. Oh, man, Tex. <laughs> no, I can't give myself that credit. No. Give yourself that credit. Just be realistic. Come on. Do, I can't do you give think myself so? that credit. I don't know. I mean, uh, I know I've pressured some people 
into coming out to protest more. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but ah, it's hard to give myself that credit. I I, I do want to say like I I think that me sharing and me being out there is it helps other Asian people feel mm-hmm. more comfortable about about being out there too or like or being able to talk about it or being able to post about it more yeah. um which I'm seeing a lot now this year and and so and that was like okay I'm gonna try to give myself some credit right now and and tell you yes i have been getting a lot of people in the asian community who have come up to me who are like thank you for all the activism work you do and learning like a lot of people who know me through my chinatown work like they know me as like the asian american photographer who documents chinatown a lot but they don't know my long long time project activist nyc or they're just Uh, learning about activist nyc and they're like they're like coming out to me being like, you're activist NYC. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, how did you get that name? First of all, I'm like, oh, cause I've been doing this for a lot longer than I've been doing this for so long. I did this, I created the handle like, you know, so many years ago. So mm-hmm. like nobody had that handle or anything, you know? And um, yeah. And so now that they're learning that I'm activist NYC, they're like, wow, like, thank you so much for doing this work all these years. And like, telling me how much they love my work and how much they love my photos and like thank you for you know thank me for showing up and i get a lot of like people like organizers who now like you know ask me to come to their their actions like i'm like requested by people now like oh (laughs) you know it's like such a weird feeling to like be like wow people are, are paying attention or people are looking at what i'm doing or looking at what i'm posting and like that that's that to me is it means so much to me it like just means everything it means like all the work that i've done for like so many years now you know it just like it feels like it pays off like just knowing that like people are resonating with what i'm sharing like that's that's literally why i do this you know it's the only reason why i do this because again like i said i don't get paid for it don't get money for this shit you know so So yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I'm reckoning with now is, um, you know, I actually had a writer contact me and ask me if, uh, besides myself, if I knew of any other like Asian activist photographers. And I was like, ooh, that's, that's, that's not, it's kind of rare still, you know, it's still not a lot. There's some out there. I gave like a couple names uh, to the writer, but um, yeah, like it, it's, it's only now, it's only now like starting, you're, I'm starting to see more um, mm. Asian people out there. And I'm, and I'm glad, I'm glad to see it. And I know that 2021 was a catalyst, you know, like after Asian people were being murdered and assaulted in the streets, mm-hmm. it was like, that was the catalyst to bring people out. And it sucks a lot of times that, that we need this catalyst. We need this awful thing to happen. We need black people being murdered by police and it being filmed on camera for people to finally care or you know like like elderly asian women being like kicked on the street and being stabbed in their apartments for people to care but like like that at least the conversations are finally happening and at least people are finally like showing up more so so i think um 
I think I'm just like one moving part. I, I, I'm definitely not like, I'm definitely not like a reason that people came out more. I'm just mm -hmm. one moving part of it. So, so maybe, maybe this is an extra one to ask then. Um, have you had anybody come up to you and say, I want to do what you do? How do I do that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I get a lot of people who like message me like wanting to like intern for me or something. And I'm like, really? I don't, I'm like, I can't offer you anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like I wish I can. Um, I actually, um, if you if you see on my page, uh, there's someone uh, named Stan who I okay. list as my admin. I yes, list, yes, like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So Stan is a friend of mine. I met him in 2015. I was shooting. I was shooting for Amnesty International for their conference, and um, and he came up to me to talk to me and. You know, this was again early on in my in my photography career, and he asked if he can like just like get involved somehow, or, or like you know like like just be a part of what I was doing. And I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know what to offer you besides like you can help me with like social media, like I don't know, be a social media admin or something. something and so, yeah. so yeah, so ever since then, like I just like. But I, he helps me out with the social media account sometimes. Like he'll help me manage like comments or like messages um, uh, whenever I get overwhelmed. I'm always happy to talk to people and, mm -hmm. and guide and help and like do what I can. Um, I can never offer like I can't offer a job, but like, you right. know, and again, I don't get paid for activist NYC. If anything, like if I need a photo assist on other jobs, I do. Yes. But, um, you know, for for the activist stuff, like I don't this is all me. It's just solo. You know, yeah. I'm on it. I'm out there on my own. I post everything on my own. I write everything. I personally write everything. The I don't have anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I personally write everything, and I do. I take all the pictures on my own. I post everything on my own. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't have anybody else to do this for me. <laughs> that is, that is cool. Yeah. So, but in terms of like, if somebody come up and say, "Yo, I want to do the 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 photo thing," like, what photo? What cameras do I use or whatever? That that's the one thing we haven't talked about today. Mm. Is like camera yeah. gear and i think someone asked about like gear right yeah yeah, someone, yeah. one yeah, person asked, asked so why not gear. yeah is there anything so so this is my this is my view about gear mm. is that it's just a tool like it's just a tool don't overthink it don't you know don't get too crazy about the gear being a photographer is not about the gear okay i just want to like preface that that like what like before i tell you what my gear is i just want to <laughs> i just want a disclaimer that being a photographer is not about the gear it is about you your vision mm. your perspective your eye your view of the world how you want to capture images how what you want to express in your images that is what makes you a photographer but in terms of gear mm. I have shot with a Sony A7 for pretty much the, my entire time okay. doing photography um, since 2014. So I shot with a Canon before. I had a Canon. Um, that was that's what I was using during Occupy. Mm -hmm. 
during mm-hmm. Occupy Wall Street. And then by the time 2014 came around and I was taking pictures of all the BLM protests, I finally invested in a Sony A7. Okay. And I've been shooting with that ever since. And for a very long time, so I'm very resistant to about gear. For a very long time, I only shot with the the original Sony A7, the first model with a 35 millimeter lens. That's it. Really? That's all I had. Yeah, that's all I had. I built Activist NYC on that one camera. One camera, one lens. That's wow. it. Okay. That's all I had. I had that for like six years. That was what I used for the first six years. Just that's it. One camera. <laughs> now, now I still have an A7. I currently shoot with, uh, I had an A7R2 for a number of years. And then earlier in California this year, I had that stolen. No. So in Oakland. Yeah. So earlier this year, I got the A7R4. So I have the R4 right now, and I shoot with the G Master lens, the 24-70 millimeter. I still have my 35 millimeter, so I got that lens. But I shoot with a 24-70 most of the time now. Um, And that's, like, pretty much, like, the best overall setup you can get. Um, For me, I choose a Sony because it's compact. It was a lot easier to carry on the streets especially when I was shooting with just the 35 millimeter. Oh my God. It's so light. You just carry it with one hand. You know, I was, I was shooting like this, like this, like from the (laughs) hip, like I was shooting like all sorts of different angles. Yeah. Uh, Because it's just so, it's just so easy. It was just so compact and easy to carry. Um, And now with a 2470, I have different, it's again, it's a tool. It's just a tool. And yeah, I have different uh, options in terms of, you know, focal length and stuff like that. But hmm. I, I, I want to emphasize again that being a photographer is not about the gear. I actually really hate it when male photographers come over to me to talk about gear because I find it to be very off-putting <laughs> because they just want to brag about what gear they have. And I'm like... <laughs> Well, I don't care about your gear. Are your pictures good? You know, right. like is your yes. photography good? That's that's what matters to me. Are you taking meaningful pictures that meaningful? Speak to that's me? the key. The yes. Meaningful, yeah. Yes. Good. Meaningful, meaningful pictures. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. That speak to me. Like powerful images that speak to me. Or are you taking just shit ass photos and and just calling yourself a photographer because you're shooting with a three thousand dollar setup or whatever, you know, or five thousand dollar setup, like that doesn't okay. matter to me you a photographer you can have you can have any kind of camera and be a photographer um oh so, I'll, so there's some questions that i have that i'm gonna leave to a later date um okay. but um yeah is there any anything anything you want to leave us with oh damn um i think i think what the thing that i like to leave people with is um manage your time like manage your time and don't try to do everything because mm. that I think that's where people get really caught up is I still feel it. I still feel it all the time. I still feel guilt and, and, and like, you know, and, and disappointment in myself if I'm not showing up for every single thing. And that's, mm. that's, that, that is, that's, what's going to, what's going to like, burn us out and and make us too tired to do anything and so um manage your time 
and just know that like whatever you are contributing whatever it, it could be the smallest thing but that collectively right it's how we create a larger movement mm-hmm. it takes millions of people all pitching in into this one thing to create that change so don't think that you have to do everything don't think you have to like you know i i get i get that feeling too i get mm-hmm. the feeling of oh i didn't show up for this protest and now i feel guilty about it but I can't feel guilty because I know that I do as much as I possibly can as well. And I, you know, I donate, I call, I write too, and you do what you can. And the best thing for, for us to think about is the collective, the collective actions of all of us. And I think that that helps to keep me going. And yeah, being at protests, I mean, it is a way to feel like bonded with people that you don't know, people that are all showing up for for something all together. And the feeling of being with other people that care about the same thing as you, it's it's very powerful to me. And I keep thinking back about that that question about like you know protesting feels performative what can what can we do to change that and you know and and to me though like that that performance it brings people together and that is what we need right now more than ever especially after a pandemic where we were so apart from each other we were mm-hmm. so isolated from each other for so long you know, right now we need to be around other people more than ever to be bonded in our solidarity more than ever. So I think like just take the takeaway is to find what you want to do. Find mm-hmm. what you're passionate about. Find what you care about. You know, for me, my I see my role as documenting, documenting the history, documenting our struggle, documenting the fight so that 50 years from now, we can look back and, and remember, you know, that what we fought for, just like how we when we look at photos from the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. we look at photos of Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and Yuri Kochiyama and like Grace Lee Boggs, like all the activists that, you know, our ancestors that paved the way for us, right? One day, young people are going to look at us, yeah. they're going to look at us yeah. like that look at us and being like oh yeah right hopefully (laughs) hopefully we're gonna look at us as like the ancestors that paved the way and and that's why for me like documenting this history is so important and Mm. and it's it we need it we need it more than ever right now so yeah and stay true to your heart yes i also agree with that a lot and it's sound it can sound someone just just wrote it in the chat Mm -hmm. but like it can sound very cliche but like i totally fully uh, like agree with that like stay true to who you are and just do the work that you like like i i've said it so many times throughout this entire interview is like i don't care about algorithms i don't care about (laughs) this shit like i just want to do the work that i want to do and yeah honestly like if you want to if you want to feel seen, if you want to feel recognized one day, just keep doing that work because you're going to be recognized for the work that you're actually passionate about. Like it took me years to get to this point and 
I will not lie to you. I had so many times where I wanted to give up and quit. And I just wanted to be like, fuck this shit. I don't want to do this shit no more. Like, like I'm not getting anywhere with it. Like, like, what am I thinking? What am I like? This is just a pipe dream, you know? Hmm. But if you just stick with it, you just stick with what you care about. You stick with what you, what you're passionate about. Someone one day will see it. One day, someday, hmm. who knows? You never know. You never know who is going to see your work. Yeah, who, who is going to want to, who is going to resonate with it? Who will care about what you're doing? Will suddenly give you the opportunity that you've been dreaming about. You just never know until you just keep doing it, right? And I'm trying to take my advice every day too because I I have days where I'm like, oh, I can't do this. Like, I yeah. yeah, you I I, you get days with like mad imposter syndrome, like constantly feeling like I'm not never good enough. And that's mm-hmm. you know a lot of that stems from my upbringing, from like a family of very judgmental Asians who never told me I was good, who all, who never supported me and always told me I was not, not good enough. Mm-hmm. And so like unlearning that has been extremely difficult. I'm still in the process of it. And I yeah. still struggle constantly with like, you know, one day I could be having a great day. I could be feeling so seen, so appreciated, so loved, so supported for the work I'm doing. And then another day I could be like, wow, nobody cares. Nobody is paying attention. What am I doing? Nothing that I do matters. So it's like very extreme. It's so extreme sometimes, you know? Yeah, I dig that. (laughs) Um, So my advice is usually to just try to persevere through that because, you know, we as people of color, especially, um, we're we're never told that we're good enough. We're always, yeah, we're always told like we're not, we're not good enough for these roles. We're, we're not placed in these jobs. We're not placed in these titles. And, and we're told we're not worthy of, of, you know, this attention or this publication or whatever it might be. And trying to push through that is, is so difficult. It is, I cannot tell you how many times I have cried and how many times I have lost sleep, you know, over it. Like, and everybody wants to talk about the shiny successes, but what really, what really matters is like all the work that went into it. Like that work is, it's that's the not shiny stuff. It's the stuff mm-hmm. that people don't see, the people that don't, um, they don't write about or they don't talk about. And and the, I I talk about it all the time because it's part of how I got here. You know, is like that struggle and that perseverance to keep doing this, even though. Um, even though I'm tired and even though I get down on myself. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 uh, it's always about managing yourself, managing your time, managing, you know, expectations to just setting your setting out like goals for yourself and sticking with it and doing, doing what you can, you know, we're, we're all just, you have to give yourself grace. You have to give yourself, yeah. you know, like a little bit of room to, to forgiveness, to, to forgive yourself, you know, a little bit of forgiveness on yourself. Like don't, I, I try not to feel too guilty anymore about like not showing up to something right. or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, you like I'm too so busy. Yeah. You can only be in so many places. Well, exactly. one place at once actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Laws of physics. One place. Of physics. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This is great. You had the best questions. 
Oh, some of these, some of these, first off, some of these I took from people in chat. So everybody, for, for real, everyone in chat. Thanks, Cindy, for coming through and, and just sharing what it's like to be, uh, you know, to be behind, you know, a really, really, truly important account that does make people, and I say this in the best possible way, um, makes you slow down and look at some big, big quotes here, uh, big mm -hmm. scare quotes, boring pictures. Um, and realize that, hey, sometimes it's not all flashing and sometimes it's not all shining. It's slower, quieter moments where somebody just wants to say something and they've gone out into the street to say that and, and helps that person get their message out to some more people. So, so. And I like those moments. Yeah. I like those yeah. soft care, quieter moments. Like, that to me is what happens at these protests most of the time, actually, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, like, like I appreciate your perspective on that, on it. Cause like, I actually have never heard someone say that about my work. And, and that's actually something that I can, uh, yeah, I definitely, um, try my best to, to kind of like show those softer, quieter moments. Thank you so much for coming through. Yeah, yeah, this was great. Thank you for having me. Seriously, appreciate it so much. Appreciate everyone that listened. Thank you again for, for having me. I'm so just grateful to be here. Thank you again. Thank you, thank you. All right, take it easy. All right, bye. And that wraps up yet another episode of generic youth media brands podcast once again this was episode number five and you just heard a very long and in-depth interview with cindy trend of activist nyc uh hopefully you got some out of that i don't know i, I got a lot out of it i mean i'll be real with you man um a lot of these i do because I get a lot out of it i learned a lot from it uh, from these conversations and um you know so hopefully somebody else finds it useful too but who knows anyway um you might have heard in a couple of points so th there were some things that i cut out of that thing it, I'm, I'm not gonna lie one of the big things that i cut out of it is um we went through some old photos that she took of me actually of both of us in college at a college party that i threw um which let's just say we're gonna leave that conversation for the live stream uh because i don't necessarily need to leave that up on the internet but that being said if you would like to be there to be present uh for the live streams and uh and that also means you'd be able to ask questions and you know interact with other people and whatnot uh you can do that that is an option that is available to you uh and you can do that by going to twitch.tv slash dexdigi once again twitch.tv slash d-e-x-d-i-g-i and uh, you can follow me there. And when I go live, and once again, that's on Tuesdays, 9 a.m. L.A. time, 12 noon New York time. You know, you can find it there. And there's also the video version of this that's available on YouTube if you want to watch it instead of listening to it. And of course, if you're sick of hearing me talk about stuff and you want to see more of Cindy's work, please do go to Activist NYC on Instagram. You can check it out. But we're going to see you next time or hear you next time. Until then, stay in tune.